Welcome everybody to the Keyboard Kimura podcast here on Monday, June 12th, a couple days removed now from UFC 289. I'm your host, e. Spencer Kite, still buzzing out here in Abbotsford from the week that was in Vancouver, the weekend that was in Vancouver. Going to be one that I, I don't soon forget. I've been fortunate throughout my career to be at some really cool moments, some really cool events over the years. This one is definitely up there. Um, Vancouver showed out. I said it yesterday on the takeaways. I, I gave my apology to the fans in the lower mainland. They showed out. They did great. It was a terrific event. Personally, to be able to be there for Amanda Nunez's final appearance, to get to see her after all the years of speaking with her, of putting stories together to experience this past week with her. To see that defense, to see her say goodbye was really meaningful. Story up now on the UFC website. Um, just my thoughts about Amanda Nunes retiring and just her place in the pantheon of all-time greats, which for me is obviously number one top female fighter of all time, but very much one of the best fighters full stop in UFC history as, as well. The things that she has accomplished the things that she did inside the octagon. It's going to be hard for anyone, man or woman, to surpass some of those achievements. And that means something. When when you are a one of one, that means something. And she is a one of one in many regards. Thank you again, Amanda, and still forever. So as I talked about a little bit on... Saturday, I think there was a there was a point in there where I was was tweeting some things out and you know, some folks had some things to say, some folks had some ideas and I said, "Look, I'm I'm going to podcast about this Monday, so I'm just going to hold on to it." So it's Monday and we're here. And I want to talk about it. And I think I've I've been able to put some of the emotion of it aside. I got to sit down and catch up with Harry for the first time in, in two weeks this morning. He was away getting married la two weeks ago. I was away all of last week doing Vancouver stuff. And so we sat down and we talked about it. He and I discussed some of this and sort of worked through it. So Saturday for me kicked off bright and early 8am as I sort of started to get rolling here at the house I didn't head into the city until around noon, but I tweeted out and I'll just, I'll just read the tweet and I'll explain to you what it is that I was thinking, what it is that I mean. So I said, cards are looked at as numbers, locations, collections of rankings. Now, not in terms of who the athletes are, what they bring to the table. If you know the main card competitors, you know, UFC 289 is going to be electric. And if you don't know them, it's your loss. Followed that by tag tacking on, I understand the price point concerns and criticisms wanting bigger names, but as much as quote, this isn't about the fighters, they're the ones that suffer always. Every time someone with a platform says this isn't good enough, the people listening here, these fighters aren't worth my time. Now, my friend Travis McPherson responded, no offense, but I watched Aldana's last fight. She doesn't deserve a title fight for basically losing and then hitting a Hail Mary that she could never hit again. 
My response to that was that she's won four of her last five, three finishes. Best fresh opponent possible. We've seen plenty of undeserving challengers over the years, and, and undeserving was in quotes, and gotten great moments. But you don't know, but you also don't have to watch or buy it. That's the beauty of it. Like, and I said, I hope you're doing well, man, because obviously Trav and I are friends. And and the ironic thing, and I didn't say it, and and I thought about this sort of over the course of thinking about it. And, and he responded and said, like, we'll watch most of the fights because I love MMA. Just hate that UFC sometimes forces people into title matches because they don't have enough contenders. I said it doesn't feel forced to me. It was the right matchup anyways. Random shot last time, but thrown with purpose and landed. Gegard Mousasi's career blew up because of something similar. The the irony to me of, of Trav sort of being the person sticking to this or pointing to this is that Trav is a Seattle area guy. Trav is a big supporter of Demetrius Mighty Mouse Johnson, as am I, obviously. But DJ fought a bunch of people that were just kind of shoehorned in because they had had a little bit of success and there was no one else. John Moraga won two fights on, I believe they were both on fight Facebook prelims. Um, that's how far back we're talking. And and good wins, solid wins, very good performances, but won two fights on, on Facebook prelims and got a title shot. Chris Carriasso got a championship opportunity against Demetrius Johnson. Kyoji Horiguchi got one sooner than probably necessary and and earned against Demetrius Johnson, but that was just the state of the division. DJ had already beaten the best guys. And so the next man up got the opportunity. And, and to me, that's, that's the way that the UFC should be progressing is you don't have to get to undisputed number one contender. If you're in that top five, you should be there because you beat reasonable people to earn that spot and therefore be considered a potential title challenger. And we'll have to work on expressing that to people and conveying that to people and getting people on board with it. But that feels like the safer route. That though is a conversation for another podcast. I want to get back to sort of the, the perception of these cards and the way these cards are framed, because it really does feel to me that every week we sit here and there are folks that jump online, jump on Twitter And it really is just, here are the number of ranked competitors, here are the people that have numbers next to their name, here are the people that have Wikipedia pages, can't believe it's at the apex, can't believe it's at this time. And that's the only thing that these these fight cards are, the only way these fight cards are broken down. There's not time given to, and there's not airspace given to who these athletes actually are and, and what we've seen from them. And I think personally, and as always, this is my opinion and my stance and my position, and nobody has to agree or, or feel the same way. But my position is when you look at that main card, so you know what Amanda Nunes brings to the table. You know what Irene Aldana is capable of. And prior to Saturday night, a bunch of people were really interested in this fight. A bunch of people felt like we did all week. Like maybe the universe is aligning. Maybe the gods are aligning and and conspiring to send Amanda Nunes another loss because it could have been four Mexican champions. And Irina told me the story about the little black cat and the pretend belt and all of those things. And up until Saturday, she, she 
seemed capable and poised to maybe pull the upset. And then when it doesn't happen, people revert back to this is terrible and there's no way you should have liked it. Co-main event is, was a phenomenal fight. You knew with Charles Oliveira and Benil Dariush getting into the cage that it was going to be electric. But here's where we get to the more understanding who these people are. If you had watched Mike Malott's first two fights and you watched Adam Fugit's first two fights in the UFC, you knew that was going to be a good fight. I don't care that they're not big names. I don't care that they're not ranked. Who are they as competitors? Well, Mike Malott came in 9-1-1. Every one of his victories came inside the first round. Adam Fugit came in, I believe, 9-3. Six of his nine victories were first round stoppage wins. I believe seven of nine overall were stoppage wins. And he was coming off a massive upset earlier in the year where he looked very good, very dominant. And you just knew because you had seen them, because you had watched them, that it was going to be an explosive fight. And it absolutely was. The same goes for Danny Gay and Nate Landwehr. Danny Gay, I feel like, as a, and I said this throughout the week, people look at those three losses, that three-fight losing streak, and winning one out of five fights at one point, and go, ah, Danny Gay. Yeah, all of those losses came against top 15 opponents, and Danny Gay is very much top 15 stalwart in the featherweight division, tough as nails, coming off a great finish. Nate Landwehr's a crazy person, and I say that in the best way possible, with the utmost respect possible. He is an agent of chaos in there. And he was getting a step up in competition against a very tough out. And this is this is what we saw. This is what we saw. Those, those first two rounds culminating in Ige knockdowns and near finishes were thrilling. They played huge in the building. And then the third round being competitive as, as Dan faded a little bit and Landwehr came back on. It was a it was a good fight. It was a fun fight. And your mileage may differ on the middleweight opener between Marc-Andre Barrio and, and Eric Anders, but there were good moments in there. Barrio dropped him right out of the gate. They each landed some big shots. They each had some good moments. If you knew who these people were, you knew we were in for an entertaining main card, and I think we got that. Was it worth... $90 or whatever the price is. And I, and I saw people throwing around different prices and it feels to me like the price changes regularly as we get into these conversations. As I said to Harry, when we get to UFC 290 next, next month, people are going to be like, this is a great card, but it's not worth the $287 the UFC is asking for. For me, all I can tell you is that it cost me $65 to order a pay-per-view this one probably wasn't worth the full $65. Am I paying it anyways? Yeah, because I know who these people are and I know what it's going to be. I would say that next month's pay-per-view is worth more than $65. Some of these other ones probably worth more than $65. And for me, it all comes out in the wash. And I know certainly somebody will push back and say, yeah, it's all just write-offs for you anyways. Sure, absolutely. But in general... All of these cards are probably, all of these pay-per-views are probably overpriced and that price could come down. That's not happening. That's not what the case is. And again, every time we say it, every time people say not worth the value and tack on the like, this has nothing to do with the fighters. The people that listen to you for guidance 
don't parse it through as this is me being critical of the UFC. They hear you say this is not worth it and translate it to the athletes. And it turns into this self-perpetuating cycle where we tell them enough times that these people aren't worth it or you yourself decide that these people aren't worth it and not worth your investment in who they are as athletes that we then get to the point that Dan Ige is on the main card and doesn't feel like somebody you really care about, even though he's one of the best featherweights in the world. Mike Malott is on the main card and he feels like this unknown to you because you didn't watch the first two fights because maybe they were on cards that you deemed unnecessary and unworthy of the price. And it just keeps going. And it doesn't make sense to me at all. And so later in the night, as we were going along, I tweeted out, I got to say the, and I quote, this card isn't very good crowd really taking an L with this one, Been an outstanding night. And we've still got the main event to go adding on. And this ain't me playing the results. If you knew these athletes, what was likely to transpire when they got in there, you knew we were getting a like night, a night like this. If you don't, that's on you. And again, like I understand, I always understand the criticism and I always understand where it comes from, but it also feels very short sighted and very like easy to me. It's easy to be critical of all of this. It's hard to pay attention to this sport the way that it's the way that you need to, in order to understand as I did going into Saturday that we were going to have a really good night of fights. We were going to have a good time, that there was something brewing about being back in Canada and all of these Canadian athletes who went six and oh on Saturday night, contributing to a really cool night. And that fights like Steve Ursag and David Dvorak was a good competitive fight that I really looked forward to seeing. And Ursag had a very good performance on short notice to beat a top 10 guy. It just feels to me that there is this constant push to push these events aside based on everything but the fighters. But it, as, as people say, as, as according to the folks that push it aside, it's not about the fighters. It's not because of the men and women stepping into the cage. It's everything else. But the only thing that matters and the only thing that goes through at the end of the day are the men and women that go into the cage. And so if you know them, if you pay attention to them, if you understand who they are, then you know regardless of point price point, regardless of where it's being held, regardless of what the atmosphere in the arena is going to be, are you going to get entertaining fights? Are you going to be entertained? Are you not entertained? Saturday you were. This coming Saturday, you'll be entertained. I've got the fight card in front of me. There's a bunch of these fights that are going to be entertaining. A bunch of these competitors who are unranked and without Wikipedia pages that are good, fun fighters. Some of whom are emerging talents that you are going to hear from in the rankings in the not too distant future. Some of whom are already ranked and last summer we're told not good enough for you to pay attention to, but everybody seems to be paying attention to Armin Saryukin now. 
It just feels to me like there is this constant, constant need to tear things down. And I'm not saying you have to lift them up. But why are we constantly working so hard? It feels like there are so many people in this space that hate watch these events that are just obsessively critical about everything being offered. And it's only critical of the UFC. Let's, let's be clear here. All the criticisms that are directed toward the UFC can equally be directed towards Bellator, right? If we want to talk about fighter pay, it's not like Bellator's out here leading the way and, and handing out huge checks for the people in PFL that are getting good money. And there are some people getting good money. And I'm not talking about Francis Ngannou, who's getting great money and is, has made inroads to what he wanted and is, is a different, he is an outlier in this. But there are people in PFL getting good money. There's also people not getting not great money. Getting the same not great money or less not great money than people in the UFC. And I get that the response will be, well, the UFC is this juggernaut and this monolith on the landscape and therefore should be doing more. I don't disagree. But the criticism is valid elsewhere as well and it never comes. It very seldom comes. This isn't me riding for the UFC because I have a byline there and because I get a paycheck from there every month. This is just asking for some consistency and some overall full, full scope of things. Cause it does feel to me like people see those three letters and they see that next UFC card and they just click into this is terrible mode. Case in point, on Saturday night, as Amanda Nunes was out there winning her final fight, I tweeted out, I will never tire of witnessing, great, witnessing greatness. To which, and I want to just make sure that I, I get this correctly. I want to pull it up. So bear with me for a moment. I thought I had it up, but it clearly has slipped from my page. So I tweeted that out, and one of the responses I got from Patrick Auger was a gif of, I believe it's it's Tim Ford, the fashion, the fashion individual, saying, this is breathtaking. Um, and he, Patrick, tweeted with it, asterisk, watching a complete skill mismatch on short notice fight. And then the gif, this is, this is breathtaking, which of course is meant as a great dig at me, like this huge shot at me for, for feeling the way I do. And I responded and said, you don't have to agree, Patrick. That's what's great about this. Sorry, I feel differently than you. And you think my position is deserving of mockery. Hope you had a good night. Hate watching the fights. It's just like, that's the stuff I mean, right? Like we sit here and it's, it's instantly find a way to criticize it. Was it a complete, did it turn out to be a complete skill mismatch? I don't know. Irene Aldana froze. Absolutely. But on, as of, you know, right before that fight started, I didn't hear a lot of people saying it was a skill mismatch. I didn't see Patrick Auger running out here saying this is a skill match mismatch. 
I didn't see a lot of people saying, ah, short notice, it's not going to be good. I saw a lot of people talking about, is this Irene Aldana's moment? Can she come in here and become the fourth Mexican champion this year? I saw a lot of very smart, very engaged people that cover this sport picking Irene Aldana to go out there and win the title on Saturday. So I hope that they all got GIF responses criticizing them as well, not just me. Because here's the other part of my of my tweet, which, you know, I probably could have added additional context. We sit here and, and instantly make it about all the reasons to be negative, right? So I said what I said and Patrick comes in and looks at skill mismatch, short notice fight. I sat there on press row and thought, it's also that Amanda Nunes is, is really goddamn good. Like, this isn't just, that night, Saturday night wasn't just, that main event wasn't simply that a Irene Aldana is overmatched and didn't have enough time to prepare. It's that Amanda Nunes came out there and gave her all kinds of looks to deal with, all kinds of pressure to deal with, big shots that landed and hurt and rattled her. Not in the sense of made her stagger and things like that, but rattled her psyche, rattled her being. Put her in that state of being starstruck. Because she wasn't that until they got in there. Until the leather started flying. And for Amanda Nunes to be able to do that, knowing that this is the last one, knowing that I'm out of here after this, to be that dialed in, in that moment against a, an opponent, that again, all kinds of very smart minds, very sharp minds, very critical minds in this sport were picking to beat her is greatness. She went out there and she hit those, I think I called them, whenever I want takedowns, right? Whenever she wanted to, she just kind of scooped that lead leg and dumped Irene Aldana to the floor or hit that little inside trip to put Aldana on the mat. That's greatness. That's toying with somebody. That's fucking with somebody. That's greatness. That's not just, oh, Irene Aldana isn't good. Nah, man. Nah, you're you're not paying attention. You're not understanding this sport. And I'm not saying that I see this sport and, and view this sport on a higher level than other people. I just don't look at it with such a negative, critical, displeased eye all the fucking time. And that's what it feels like to me. It feels like a whole ton of people in this space look at everything with a negative eye. And if you happen to come at it from a different position, they think that makes you subject to scorn and ridicule and that your position is just unacceptable. And how could you possibly think that way? As if you have to be aligned with them. As if we're not allowed to have differing opinions. And this is one of the things I touched on a little bit at the end of the takeaways yesterday. Very seldom am I out here doing these podcasts, saying these things, putting out these tweets from a position of attacking someone else. In the sense that I'm not out here trying to convince you that your way is wrong. 
Just that there's a different side of it. And just presenting another side of it. You can think and view this however you please. It doesn't make sense to me, as I've now said probably on three or four podcasts since returning to this platform at the start of May. Because I don't get it. I don't understand how folks wake up every day, look at this sport that they apparently love, these athletes that they apparently care so deeply about, and dump on it nonstop. Just look at it through such disdain and frustration all the time. I do not get it. It will never make sense to me. And then turn around and feel like it's it's good place, it's good practice to mock anybody that deigns to think differently than them. It really is telling to me when the set that hates this sport or hates everything the UFC does, I should say, seems to be hates everything the UFC does, can only look at things through the filter of not good enough. I deserve more. I want more. I want better from them. I don't disagree. I'd I'd certainly like better. I'd certainly take more. I'd certainly take stronger. But that doesn't mean I, I dislike what I'm still seeing. This doesn't mean that I dismiss the men and women going into the octagon. It doesn't mean that I overlook what their stories are, what this Saturday night and every Saturday night means to a bunch of those athletes and their friends and their family and the people that get to watch them compete. It seems to me that there are a lot of people covering this sport that claim they love this sport and and are passionate about this sport and quite frankly extract money as a result of this sport who only want to be here to be critical. And look, again, it's fine. Do you. Whatever works. That's your purview. That's your... If you enjoy getting up every day and being fucking negative about all of this stuff and just looking at things through the lens of why is Saturday going to suck, have at it. But don't come out here and tell people and try to mock people and, and make it that everybody has to feel the way you do. Because gatekeeping like that is horseshit. Jose Young's talked about this when I had him on a conversation with back when I was at Severe. Go check that out on the Severe YouTube page and I will attach the a link to it when I post this podcast. We talked about that gatekeeping. We talked about that wanting to keep people away from this sport or trying to keep people away from this sport by telling them it's not good enough. It's not this. It's not that. And he spoke about it in different senses, not necessarily about MMA, but it it's stuck in my head because the idea of gatekeeping feels to me like what these people are doing. Oh, you don't need to look here. This isn't worth your time. I'm the arbiter of all things valid or invalid. And if I say this isn't worth it, you should take that as gospel and act accordingly. Nah, man, I'm a dude out here at 44 years old in Abbotsford, British Columbia, that loves me some fistfights on a Saturday. I don't care who's got a Wikipedia page. I know how to look up topology. I know how to look up Sherdog. I know how to go on Fight Pass or any other platform and find their fights. I don't need you telling me who they are. I don't need a number next to their name to be excited. I don't need the UFC to have co-signed them, as so many of these people seem to need. 
Well, the UFC needs to do a better job. You can't tell me these people are good or not. You're in this sport, covering this sport. Isn't it your job to know? And and we're getting into spaces that I've covered and and tread on all the time because they stick in my head because this shit happens every Saturday. Every single Saturday. This ain't going to be good and it turns out to be good. Nobody cares about these fighters and they turn out to be good fighters. And then these same folks turn around and go, where did this person come from? This man or woman came out of nowhere. And it's the UFC's fault for not promoting them and not giving them greater opportunities. Well, Mike Malott got the opportunity that you say you want and you say that fighters in his position should get more and the UFC should make a better effort to promote and highlight some of these people. They did that on Saturday and you turned around and said, it's not good enough. So is it that they're not doing a good enough job or you're just never satisfied? You're just hard to please. You just want to look at all of this stuff and say, nah, do better. Can't feel that way. You're not allowed to like this. You're not allowed to accept this. You're not allowed to think Amanda Nunes' performance on Saturday was an exhibition of greatness. It doesn't make sense to me, folks. And if it means that every week I'm here recording this same podcast, asking these same questions, so be it. What I will say to wrap up is that any member of that group, whether it's Patrick Auger or anyone else, that wants to come on and have this conversation with me rather than firing off sweet tweets. Good digs, bro. Invites always there. You know how to get at me. DMs are open. Spencer.kite at gmail.com. Let's talk about it. Cause I like fist fights. I like telling the story of these men and women. I like talking about these fight cards. All of you, so many of you seem to not. And I'd like to understand why. So the door's open. The airwaves are open. The invite stands. It is an open invite. Pat Ogier, anybody else, come on down. Jump on keyboard Kimura. Let's have this. Let's have this discussion. Because I'm tired of turning up every Saturday and having a whole gang of people that cover this sport, that are in this sport, that make money off these athletes, that generate traffic and whatever else off of these athletes, spend every Saturday talking shit about these athletes one way or another, diminishing what they do, what they put in, and then saying, ah, it's not about them. It always ends up being about them. They're the ones that suffer. Not the UFC. The UFC didn't lose anything on Saturday night. By a bunch of people saying this isn't worth me tuning in. There were 17,000 plus people in Rogers Arena. A bunch of them stood outside till the very end of the night. Loyal, diehard, passionate, paying huge prices to get in that barn and watch these athletes compete. And they loved every second of it. UFC didn't lose anything. But you turned a bunch of people away from watching these men and women compete. And you do it every weekend. And I don't understand it. So as I said, the door is open. DMs are open. Spencer.kite at gmail.com. 
Let's talk about this if you want to. Instead of just firing off cool tweets. For Keyboard Kimura, I'm Spencer Kite. Talk to you next week.